Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, and we're ready for another foray into some thinking, I hope. I hope we're going to talk about some things that's going to generate some thought. I know it always generates thought on my part, but I hope it generates some thought on yours, and we can see where we're going. What have we all got to lose in uh, what's coming up in this next couple of years? How can we benefit everybody in the country? And what are our downfalls? Those are some pretty important questions, I think. So one of the first things we look at is Donald Trump no longer the obvious choice to be the nominee. Now, I like Donald Trump. I like his policies. Let's put it that way. I thought Barack Obama seemed like a nice guy, but I didn't like his policies. You know, I like Donald Trump. I liked his brash personality, his, the fact that he wouldn't uh, give in to what uh, these, all, all these idiots around him, these weak Republicans, and we'll get to them in a few minutes. But I like that he, he fought back. And that's what people don't understand. To this day, they don't understand. Why are these people, why are they Trumps? They must just be crazy haters, and that's why they like Trump. That's not it at all. The reason so many people, conservatives and Republicans, like Donald Trump is because he fights back, right? Most of the Republicans are weak. They just want to get along with everybody. They don't, they don't take a stand. You know, we're all waiting. Oh, they're going to take over the House next year. It's going to be great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, the one time I'll let myself be a pessimist and say, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to rally their, their support. They're not going to get uh, 200 and whatever it is, five or six of them, 205 or six Republicans to all vote together as a block. They're not going to all want to do the same things. They're going to argue with each other. we got these weak Republicans, these rhinos that are not going to vote for anything conservative. They're going to vote with the Democrats. And they're going to, this is, I'm doing the right thing, instead of doing the right thing in the big picture for the country. But I'll get to that in a little bit. Right now, we've had a Supreme Court decision that says Title 42, the Remain in Mexico policy, uh, has, is going to be extended uh, for, for a little bit of time until both, uh, both sides make their case. Apparently, 19 attorney generals uh, in the states were arguing that, you know, to, to it should be extended, that it's a problem if they, if they drop it. And it is. It is a problem. You know, one of the things I, I always thought was important was common sense and a sense of reality for people to open their eyeballs and look around and believe what their eyes are seeing and believe what they hear when people say they're going to do certain things. So nobody could imagine that Joe Biden would open the borders and let people pour. He told you he wasn't going to do that. Isn't that exactly what he did? The border's not open. The border is sealed. And we talked about this a little while ago, is that their, their uh, determination of what the border is secure simply means well, we have lots of uh, Border Patrol people down there, and when four or 5,000 uh, illegals cross over the border and step into America, we, uh, we, uh, we process them, and then we send them forward. See how secure it is. It's very secure. Never mind the 600 to 800,000 getaways, the people who disappeared uh, into, the, into the background in uh, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, never to be seen again until they pop up somewhere else. 
we know that of all the people that do get across and are, you know, they're vetted. But we also know very clearly that whoever they really are, they're not telling us that when they get here. They are dumping their IDs on the Mexican side of the border so that when they come across, they don't have any ID. They can make up anything they want. Just like Americans had to have COVID tests before you could do anything, but not so much at the border. You at protests as well. You didn't have to be uh, tested uh, at the at a protest either if you were burning buildings down. But when you cross the border, you don't have to be uh, tested. You don't have to be quarantined. So we have this Title 42 is going to be extended for a short period of time. Eventually, it's going to fall. The reason it's going to fall is because we have mostly liberal courts that they're going to go to. And this is all part of a bigger plan. This is part of a plan to change America fundamentally. We were told that when people when people tell you what they're going to do, you need to listen. So many moons ago, uh, Barack Obama came out and told us he wanted to fundamentally change America. And he set out with all his compatriots in the Democratic Party, the, the radical left-wing people who run that party now. And they've gone about destroying our traditions, destroying uh, our free speech, making it a, a, a much more socialistic uh, tyranny kind of state. We, we, can, we can pretend that the FBI is not weaponized, that the CIA is not weaponized against Americans. We can pre- pretend that the IRS is not being weaponized against Americans. This is all Soviet-era kind of stuff. This is, this is nothing new. If you open your eyes and you actually look, uh, you'll see this. And it's clear to most of us who are, who are, who are clear-thinking people that this is what's going on. But Barack Obama told us, I want to fundamentally change America, and he started out to do it, and he's done that. Now, that's being continued by uh, Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden is not, I mean, he's the president. I'm sure he's making some decisions, but he's being guided from behind. He just wants to, you know, be the president. He likes being the president. I think we can also open our eyes to the reality reality of the Biden family corruption. That is, it's on display. It's right in front of us. Everybody can see it. But nobody does anything about it, which shows us the corruption of our media. You know, I flip through the channels because I want to stay informed, right? So I'm flipping through channels. I'm listening to different things, trying to get different points of view. I don't block people out just because they have a point of view different than mine. I want to hear their point of view. And then I evaluate it. If it's something good, okay, I'll I'll take something from it. But if it's not, I reject it. Well, you don't see anything about what's going on at Twitter, do you? I mean... You don't see any of the the hand in the cookie jar stuff that Twitter is revealing that our FBI was uh, weaponized by the upper echelon people, that they were working in cahoots with the Democrat Party, and that the FBI was guiding them of who to shut down, who to be quiet. Don't let people talk about anything that, that we don't agree with. You know, we want people to get these shots. We made big deals for lots of money and lots of people are got taken care of. You will but get the Pfizer shot or you will be banned. You'll be silenced. You'll be shut up. You'll lose your job if you talk against it, right? So we saw all of that going on. This is just another thing, this Title 42, because it's going to fall. And the reason I say it's going to fall is that it is based on COVID-era uh, policy that said people coming over the border had to wait in Mexico till they were vetted and we were concerned about COVID and, you know, people bringing COVID and that was under the Trump administration. The uh, 
the fact is pretty clear that the pandemic is over. Biden said it's over. So if it's over, then how can we have Title 42? We'd have to replace it with something else. And the Congress is never going to do it. Uh, The House, there, you're going to get all, uh, and I'm sorry, I don't know the exact number. I know they got enough to take the majority. But the reality is you think you're going to get them all to vote together to say, hey, we have to change the immigration laws. We have to do something about this. That's our job. We're lawmakers. We should make law that's good for America, that we fix our immigration system, because we do need immigration. We do need immigration. We need people to come here based on merit. What is it they can offer to the country? Uh, and bring them on in. You know, we need people. We need lots of all different kinds of people. I think it's wonderful, but it has to be done correctly. So when I see the Supreme Court slowing this down, I'm saying eventually it's going to be overturned because our courts are quite liberal. And you can always find a liberal to go to who will vote and make decisions absolutely based on ideology, on what the current ideology is supposed to be uh, about any given topic, as opposed to what is it constitutionally. So I started touching on Trump. I said I like Trump. And the question now, though, have they damaged him enough where enough people, enough conservatives, enough Republicans, even enough Trump supporters are now starting to say to each other that, uh, you know, he was great when he came in. He was a great fighter, and that's why everybody loved him. But maybe it's time for him to move on because we know the entire, the entire world is going to turn against him. Uh, you know, all these agencies that are not cleaned out, that are run by the Democrats, the Department of Justice is totally corrupt. All of these groups are going to turn against him. Uh, Now they're going to indict him with this January 6th committee, which is the biggest farce that I think I've ever seen perpetrated by our government. Had they done a real investigation and and really investigated all the things that happened uh, on that day, I would have supported it. I would have said, let's get to the bottom and see if there is anything here. But you you have to investigate the whole thing, you know? And they did not. It was one-sided. It was all Democrats and two rhino, horrifying, Trump-hating Republicans who, it was very clear from the beginning, all they were looking for was to, to make, a, uh, make a stink, stir it up, get it on the news, uh, constantly talk about And now they've, oh, Trump should be indicted. He should be arrested and charged for what he did. There's no evidence that he did anything. I mean, you play his tape from that day when he says, go march peacefully uh, and let your voice be heard, right? And that's a paraphrase, but that's what he said. How does that sound like, all right, all you white supremacists, I want you to go to the Capitol and I want you to take it over and I want you to kill those uh, politicians in there. The, the two statements have nothing to do with each other. He didn't make the second one. He didn't even insinuate the second one. The only thing he questioned, and he had a right to question, was, was there something wrong with the election? Because we know. There are facts out there to indicate there were lots of problems with the election. But we couldn't investigate it. No investigating it. And, oh, the courts, the courts threw him out. No, they didn't. The courts simply said they weren't going to see it. So we don't know if there was anything wrong, if anything was inappropriate. We don't know. We'll never know. We're never going to find out. But that's water under the bridge. But the point is going forward. Is Trump damaged enough after all? The, I mean, how many more times can they go after him? The Southern District of New York, the uh, Washington uh, Department of Justice uh, agency down there. 
You have uh, uh, private people going after him, and now you have this commission saying that you're going to make a referral to the FBI. Well, the, the Congress don't make referrals like that, but they're going to do it anyway. And then what's the DOJ going to do? Well, we have all this evidence in front of us. They have a, a special prosecutor. The guy's been out of office two years, and they're still coming after him. That's how afraid of him they are, right? So that you, you say to yourself, wow, that in itself is good. But the reality, there's so much baggage around him now that people are stressed out. They can't really deal with it anymore. I don't know, because uh, he could win the nomination, I think probably pretty easily. Uh, he's going to have a, a little battle with DeSantis if DeSantis decides to run. Uh, and I think he can maybe pull it out because the, the base is is very uh, very energized and everybody wants, you know, let's go back to the way things were two and a half years ago when it was better and you know, the world now is horrible. But the reality is, are we actually going to do that? Is it enough now? Because you know everything's going to turn against Trump and there'll be... He'll be indicted. He'll be this. He'll be that. I mean, they're just not going to stop. These people don't stop. They're very potent enemies to have. The media is all with them. The press is with them. And I talk to friends of mine, friends and family that are uh, more politically progressive, shall we say. They're on the left. They're liberal. Some are very liberal. Some are not so much. Some are common sense. But they all have the same kind of feeling. Hey, you know what? So what? They're not really taking away your free speech. They're just saying you can't say hateful things, and that's okay. See, and that's the problem. When you start to quantify what words people can say, it depends on who's in power, determines what hate speech is, what's good words, what's bad words. That's what all of uh, the value of Twitter coming out and showing us how they censored everybody. They censored you. They censored your thoughts, what you were allowed to hear. So you couldn't make good decisions. So is Trump going to be the nominee? Or does he step away? Does he step away and let uh, the only one I can see out there that's got any value right now, that's any that's any power, is going to be Ron DeSantis. And they are going to turn against him exactly the same way because they control all the levers of power. The difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, I think pretty clearly, is that our Democrat friends, they're not afraid to wield power. Even when they're out of power, they wield power because they have the media. So they grok, 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 and they scrape, and they, oh, this, that, and the other thing. They get on the news every single night. And look at this. They're crying at the border. Oh, my God, look what they're doing to these poor people. Of course. Now, have you seen the border now? Have we seen stories every single night? Have we seen AOC down there crying over the children who are being sexually assaulted on their way here, the women who are being brutalized and sexually assaulted? Do we see AOC down there pointing across the border at the thousands of people waiting to come pouring over the border into America and watching all the cartel members as they walk around with their radios, their M16 rifles. Uh, they, they got things that scan badges on, on people. They pay them, obviously, to get them safe border to the border. They abuse them all on the way, but they have, they have all kinds of technology. It's not the government. It's the cartels. Is she down there crying and pointing and saying, how come the cartels are running everything? That's not right. This is a fa- No, you, the news won't even go down there. They will not even go down there. The president won't go down there because he doesn't want that up. Because then he has to see it and say, well, I don't know how I could say it's uh, it's secure anymore because I just watched 6,000 people walk across the border. That's not secure. right? Is your house secure if everybody in the neighborhood can just walk right on in? 
and take what you got? No, that's not secure. Secure is when they get there and either they're stopped by you or maybe a security person you've hired. They can't get onto your property because of a gate or a wall, you know, like the Bidens have and the Obamas have around their properties and uh, Nancy Pelosi has around her property. You know, the walls they have to protect people. Um, and then you get into the front doors, the door open. No, the door's locked. And if you want to come in, what do you have to do? You have to ring the bell and ask if you can come in. But we don't have that. We don't have any of this. This is all farcical. Everything we're seeing is make-believe. And because it is, it is touted on the major media, uh, 99% of the media, uh, they're, they're going along with pretend. Everything we do now is pretend. Pretend that what we see and hear and know to be true is not. All you have to do is pretend that it's not true, and uh, that changes the, the paradigm. Then everything's different, right? Then it's not true, and that's perfectly okay. And that's where we're kind of at right now, which is, is really unfortunate for all of us as American citizens. So Title 42, will that be overturned? I don't know. When I think about the human tragedy that's going on there, the children who are being abused as they travel, the p children who are being abused as they travel, the women who are being abused, who are being uh, sexually assaulted and abused on the way up on their journey by the cartel members and other people to get across to the United States. The fact that the United States government is, for all intents and purposes, working with the cartels, right? Because the cartels on one side, they're all organized to get people to the border. Then they help them get across. And what happens on the other side? Are they rebuffed? No. They're welcomed by the American side. They're processed. They're put on airplanes and buses, and they're sent all over the country to live. It is a perfect arrangement between the current United States government and the illegal, bloodthirsty, killing cartels in Mexico that are taking advantage of all these people. That, that is hard to believe. That is hard to believe that that's what's going on. But why? Because it serves a purpose. This is an all on purpose. Now, I got to tell you, anybody that's been listening, I started using that term a while ago. And I don't usually protect my terms. But, uh, you know, I've been saying this is an on purpose. I've been saying that for a couple of years now, that this is all on purpose. They're not, they're not unable to see the truth. They're not unable to, to understand what's going on. This is absolutely on purpose. They're doing this for a reason. They want to change and fundamentally change America. And the way we do that, if we can't get people in America to believe uh, in them and what they want to do and how they want to change the government and how the relationship between the government and the people, well, then bring in more people that will vote the way you want. That is the bottom line of this. This is what common sense should clearly tell each and every one of us. It's not hard. It's obvious. But, oh, don't forget... We live in a world of make-believe. We make-believe all kinds of things. Now, and we demand other people believe it too. And if you don't, you are part of the problem. You're a hater if you point out the fantasy land we're living in. The border is secure. What are they saying now? They're coming out and actually saying that. The border is secure. And anybody who says it's not, you are helping the cartels. You are making people surge to the border. 
because you keep saying that the border's wide open, so people think it is, when we all know it's not. Close your eyes, count backwards, uh, you know, take your ruby slippers and tap them together in the world of make-believe. The border is secure, and it's you people who are pointing it out. And if you point out that it's not secure, that what you see right in front of your very eyes, the truth that you see, the agony, the suffering that these poor people who were just trying to get here for a better life in, in most of the cases, I believe that, but the suffering they're doing, the, the lifelong suffering that they're going to have because of what happens to them on the way up here, how they're treated, how they're abused, these children, how are they going to have a normal life? And who, who did that? Who did that? It's not the people pointing out that it's a human tragedy taking place. It's the people who are doing this on purpose, who could tomorrow change what's going on down there. They could close up the borders. They could take a hint from, uh, from the governor in New Mexico there and get a bunch of those uh, 50-foot-long truck boxes and stack them 10 feet high and put the Border Patrol people on top and keep everybody out from coming in and then tell them, this is, this is not how we're going to do it. We're going to go back to a thing like Title 42 where you remain in your home country and that's where you seek asylum. That's where you seek asylum. And if it turns out you have a legitimate case, then you'll be allowed in. They could do that tomorrow and end the suffering of these people. How about the communities? In New York, the mayor is now telling the people, the citizens of New York City, that uh, he's going to have to cut back on a lot of the programs that the city provides because they need that money for all of the illegal immigrants that are now in the city. How does this help the American people. I get the whole idea, the, f the, the fake front that they're putting up that we want to be humane because, you know, you know, Corinne Joseph, uh, Pierre Joseph says it every single time. We want to do so humane. We want to humane. Okay, I get it. You got to be humane. You're supposed to be humane. Treat people humanely. But that doesn't mean letting everybody in. That's not humane. What you're doing is you're driving people to leave their homes and walk and pay the cartel and go through all this abuse so that they can come to America for what? For a better life, for sure. But for what reason? That's not, that's not how you function. You don't just open the doors and let everybody in. And you see, I'm getting frustrated now because common sense and what I see and what I hear with my own eyes and ears tells me what the truth is. I can discern the truth. I can discern the truth. And I'm frustrated because... Uh, just like you, like most of us out there in, uh, in Chasing Justice Land, we, we live in the brightly lit world of reality. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have compassion for people. We don't have tolerance for people who think and want to do things differently than we do. Of course, you have to. This is, that's the world we're in. Right? There's not this, everyone has to behave this way. That's, that's not the way it is. You know, we, we have to understand that not, not everyone does things the way we do them. But we have to have a commonality about us uh, of what are we going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to uh, allow people into the country? Who do we let in? What do we need them for? Do we need them for certain kind of jobs? Do we need educated people, uneducated people? Do we need the people that can't take care of themselves? You know, back in the day, when you, when you wanted to emigrate to America, you had to have a sponsor family that said you were going to come and stay with them. They were going to take care of you, take care of your food, 
your clothing, your medical care, uh, everything that you needed. You would not be a burden on the state. You wouldn't just come here and get free stuff that all the Americans are paying for, right? And that seemed pretty reasonable. I have my uncle uh, that I want to have come here because he's a good man. He's got, he's got skill sets that we need, and we're going to sponsor him. He's going to come here, live in my house. We'll help him feed. We'll help him get a job until he can take care of himself so he's not a burden on society. That was a good plan that worked for years and years and years. And again, we fall back into this trap of we, we, we want to believe the rhetoric that it's to be humane. And people, you have to feel bad. Of course, I feel bad that their countries are not America. Go and start a revolution in your country. Write a constitution. Give people rights. Start an economy where people can grow businesses, become businesses, rise to their potential. And then you trade with other people You and you start to have a nice economy for yourself. If there's a dictator, then rise up against the dictator. One of the biggest dictators on the planet was the King of England. The strongest army the, the world had ever seen. The sun never set on their empire. And a bunch of ragtag Americans decided, hey, we've had enough. We are willing to fight to pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our honor for freedom. And they did that. And every generation since then has had to take up that mantle in one way or another to preserve that. I don't know that we're there anymore. I don't know that that's true. You know, I watched a show the other night uh, on World War II, and it, it showed, um, it was about the Indianapolis, you know, in World War II, the ship, the Indianapolis. And how many of these, these men were on there who were 16 and 17 years old, and they signed up because they wanted to fight for their country. And you, you heard that George Bush, uh, the senior, he was 17 years old when he signed up. Because that was the thing to do, to go and protect your country, to stand for freedom and liberty and, and fight back tyranny. Do we have that today? I mean, we have a lot of the people in our country believe in that tyranny. Well, they don't call it tyranny. They call it democratic socialism. Because it's just fair. It's just more fair. When it's really not. It is the start of a road that you can... Enter voluntarily onto that road, but you have to fight your way off that road when it turns bad on you. I always like that saying, you know, uh, communism, you can vote in and then you have to fight out because uh, once it's there, first thing they're going to do is get rid of the Constitution and all the, the rights you think you have are gone and you are now merely uh, a tool of the state to do what they say, or you'll be arrested, or you'll be thrown in prison, or they'll they'll trump up charges against you, or they'll make up conspiracies, or they'll use the government agencies against you uh, for whatever reason. Oh, wait a minute. We do that here in America, don't we? We just witnessed the whole thing take place. You know, the guy you don't like, the Trump guy. Yes, they actually did that to him. They made up a whole thing. They went after him. They impeached him twice. They, they get a, a special prosecutor now. They got special uh, committees that are going to refer him for... Because he's all about freedom and liberty. So listen, my friends, I, I appreciate you being here today. This was a lot to think about. You know, how, how, how are we going to do this going forward? But the big bottom line takeaway, I think, from this first part of our get-together today is that we live in a world of make-believe and we're being all demanded to close our eyes and not see the truth. We'll be back in a minute with more Chasing Justice. 
America Out Loud meets to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. All right, everybody, come on back in. Come on in. Everybody, come on in. Sit down, relax. If you're driving, be careful how you're driving. If you're sitting at home, enjoying a nice cup of coffee, an adult beverage, uh, relax, and let's see what we can find out together here in round two of Chasing Justice. So, talking about that Title 42 and, and realizing that we're living in a world of fantasy, where we imagine all these kind of things, uh, I want to kind of change a little bit. One of the things that we're seeing, and I, and I said I would talk about the weakness of the Republicans. This is the real reason that the country's in the situation that it's in. It's because of the weakness of many of the Republican representatives that we have sent uh, to Congress. We have people who are afraid of their own shadow. They're afraid to fight. They're afraid to stand up. They're afraid to take a stand they're afraid to voice their opinions on their conservative points of view because people might not like them. They might not get invited to parties. And I find that so frustrating that this is the kind of things that people look at. Now, I, I can imagine that if you're in that position where you know you can be reelected a thousand times and you can that can be your career, that's never how our forefathers imagined uh, this position being of congressman or senator. Uh, you were supposed to go there do your bit for your country, and then go back home. Not, not stay there for, you know, 32 elections and make it your career. But that's what our system has become. You know, but the real reason we're in this place is because our Republicans, when they were in power, in positions of power, they did not do the bold things that they need to do. The only one that we can think of has been Donald Trump. And everybody said, oh, he's not a conservative. He's a liberal. He's a... It doesn't matter what he was in his past, whatever he, they said about... He came and he governed as an absolute conservative. You know, we have the Supreme Court is more conservative today than it's been in quite a long time because of Donald Trump. 
We had uh, NATO paying its bills for the first time because of Donald Trump. We had energy independence for the first time in 70 or so years in our country. We had more energy created here than we needed. We could be a supplier thanks to Donald Trump. You know, when you look at that uh, America, the America first, not the racist version that they all try and say it is, but the real version where the people in, in control of our government who are there to do our bidding, right? We, the people, are the ones in charge and they are representatives. We have a representative government, right? So they represent us and they go there and do their own things. Now, for, for, let, let's not be, let's not let ourselves off the hook. You know, uh, many of us voted for this nonsense. Many of us voted for this nonsense. We just had the, the most bumbling, stumbling, mentally deficit president in the world elected. The most corrupt guy that's probably been anywhere near the White House in many, many, many years, the Bidens and their whole family. The, the outright craziness of their policies and what they're, they're, they're giving over to the, to the radical element of their party. And what did we do? As a majority of Americans, we went out and we voted for the status quo. We voted for the same nonsense. We didn't vote for a Carrie Lake. She's too caustic. So you vote for the guy who's going to vote with Joe Biden and vote with the liberals instead. You don't, you don't pick the, uh, the, the guy running for Senate there in Arizona. I, I can't remember his name. Nice young man, uh, conservative guy. But he's, he's too, he's got a little something going. He's too strong. He's too this. So instead you vote for the astronaut guy. And he votes for Joe Biden stuff. All over, other than in, you know, some of the House seats that we managed to flip uh, into Republican seats, we barely, barely got ahead. People voted for this garbage. They voted for $4 a gallon gasoline. They voted for a weak America. They voted for a corrupt America. They voted for open borders. They voted for non-energy independence, where we have to go around begging people around the world. Because I guess if you drill oil uh, in Saudi Arabia or if you drill oil in Venezuela, it's less polluting to the world than if America drills her own oil. Uh, so I guess I guess that's the whole sentence there about that. This is this is where we see if our Republicans had been strong, you know. How many times did they say, well, we can't do anything until we get the House, and then that we give them the House. They get the House. Well, we can't do anything until we have the Senate. So instead of marshalling their troops and pushing forward and use their power united, they argue with each other, they fight, the rhinos don't want to, the rhinos want to vote with the Democrats, and the conservatives want to vote with these. We don't see that from our friends on the left. They unite as a team, they circle the wagons. They all say exactly the same things. Remember over the years, I remember Rush, Uncle Rush, coming out and, uh, and playing like uh, when they talked about the gravitas. He has no gravitas, 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 gravitas. Every news channel for two days used the word gravitas uh, because that's what they were talking about, uh, George Bush. He doesn't have gravitas, but they all circle the wagons. They get their talking points and they stick to them. They don't attack each other. Somebody does something absolutely horrible in the Democrat Party, gets caught doing something terrible, and they circle the wagons and tell you you're wrong for noticing it. Right? The Republicans don't do that. They're weak. They want to go to parties. Right? And that's where I started going. 
If this stuff is really true, that they get to stay in office forever and therefore they want the lifestyle and they want to go to parties and they want to get new, nice news reports done about them and boy, aren't they fair? Aren't they good? Because, you know, maybe they want a higher office. You know, maybe they want something. That is why we need term limits. We desperately need term limits. But will we get that? The people want it. Every time they talk about it, the American people say, yes, we want term limits. But do we get term limits? No, because who has to vote for term limits? Not the people. No, we don't get to vote for that. The politicians who have those offices. And you have, what, 90% uh, re-election in most of these, in most elections. So these incumbents get re-elected. They're never going to vote to vote themselves out. How do you make $180,000, $200,000 a year as a congressman uh, or as a senator, and after 10 years you got $42 million? The numbers do not add up. It's, it's the lifestyle and the parties. And that's what I find disgusting because they're not in there being citizen politicians going in there and saying, hey, we have to fix the border. We have to fix the tax system. We have to fix the whatever else it is that people need uh, government to do for us. They're not in there doing that. Instead, they're in there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Next year or the year after, vote for me again, and, and then we're going to get to it. You know, I, we need the Senate, and then you give them the Senate. Oh, well, we need the White House now, and you give them the White House, and then they do nothing. They sit on their hands and do nothing. And I, for one, am extremely frustrated with the Republican Party because of that. And this is why so many people like Trump, because he gets things done. He goes out and he fights. He doesn't worry about the next election and how he's going to look. He worries about doing the job. So I don't know if he's got the if he's got the ability at this point to continue on and win the nomination. I think he he might have enough people say, okay, he had his moment. We don't want to go through all this drama again. I think we just go with Ron DeSantis, and if 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 he can stand on that big stage, he's one of the only people I see that fights back against the media. He doesn't cowtown to them. He's doing what's right in the state of Florida, and he seems to have guts. So, you know, I like Ron DeSantis. Uh, if he's the nominee, I will, I will vote for him because I don't see any other strong Republicans coming along uh, to, to, to vote for. Who, who else is there? Who else are we going to vote for? You're going to vote for Jeb if he runs again? Oh, we want Jeb and go back to low energy Jeb. And he really was. He's low energy. He's not a fighter. You know, he's not a fighter. He's a guy, oh, he'll go along to get along and he'll make some deals. and Unbelievable. So this is my, my premise, is that our Republican friends are as much a part of the problem as our Democrat friends because the Republicans never fight and we need fighters. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the new Congress is going to be, I don't know who's going to lead it, but I, I, McCarthy, I think he, he sounds good. But I don't know that he's a real conservative, conservative guy who's going to go out there and fight. I think he's going to be one of them guys, hey, I'm the speaker now. Uh, this could be a good gig for me, like it was for Nancy. And uh, how can we string this along? I hope he's not, hope he's, that, that's not the guy. I hope he is not that guy. But I, I want to see bold. I want to see bold, bold, bold. Uh, McConnell, this guy has got to go. This guy is the worst of the worst. He does nothing but fight against our interests and against the party. And how did all of these people right now, how did the Senate, how did they agree to this uh, spending bill that's going to tie the hands of the new Congress for at least a year? They won't have anything to say about the budget until next year at this time. Why would you go along with that? Why wouldn't you say, no, we're going to fund the government until, I don't know, January 31st or February 1st or something like that? 
And when the new Congress comes in, you know, the people who control the purse strings, when they come in, they'll set the agenda. Why would this guy go along with the Democrats and give them all this? Well, it's a big win. It's a big win. We knocked out money for the IRS. They, they don't get $287 million or something or other. But they're already getting money from the other, other bills that, that, Bush, uh, that the Biden already signed. So, hey, we cut out $287 million. That's good. They don't need $287 million more to go after Americans. But that is why you cut, cut the rug out from the new Congress so that they basically, of their two years in power, they only get to do stuff for one year. Do you see how this works? These idiots on our side? Instead, they should go in absolutely ice cold. We're not voting for anything. We'll give you money to run the government until February 1st. And that's it. The new Congress is going to come in and they'll figure out the priorities. Instead, they're bending over and they're, they're, they're giving Biden a gift. They're giving the Democrats a gift. They're giving them a whole year where the Republicans can't do anything. So that's, that's frustrating. The next thing, if they could do anything, okay, now what could they do? What could the new Congress do? Could they come into office and then go in and say, you know what, the budget was passed last year, but you know, we're not going to release out this money or we're going to do something else. There's probably lots of things they could do, but we don't know because we've never seen them do it, right? We've never seen them do anything. I'm, I'm sure there's laws, there's rules, there's all kinds of things that they could go in and go, yeah, you know, we're not going to fund that now. We're going to change that, whatever. Uh, we're not going to spend expend that money. I'm sure there's things they could do, but do you have any confidence that they're going to do it? And I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. And I've been disappointed by them so many times that I don't know. I don't want to talk bad about them. I want them to get off their butts and do something. I want them to fight. I want them to get up and fight. So there's my my uh, my rap on these uh, on these weak Republicans. And I, I'm sorry if it offends some people out there. But let's, let's open our eyes. Let's not live in fantasy land. You know, uh, this big giant red wave that was supposed to come didn't come. That means most of the people in the country did not vote for conservative things. They voted to stay status quo. Stay with Uncle Joe and, and everything that comes with him. Oh, stay with Joe Biden and the corruption and the, and the, the, the radicals running everything. And the nonsense. That's what people voted for. That's why they're still in power. That's why he's emboldened. And that's why there's a very good chance that, oh, he's got 32% rating and the Congress has a 2% approval rating. And then you know what happened? We'll have the next election in 2024. They'll elect Joe Biden all over again. And they'll, they'll elect a whole house. will go back to the Democrats. Why? Well, I think we have to ask that question. You know, if you're if you're standing around, if you're if you're walking around, you're driving your car and you look around side to side and you see other people, the people on both sides of you voted for that nonsense. That's why it's still here. So how do we convince them to do what's right? How do we convince them to try and start to do things so that we can take back our country so that everyone, everyone, no matter who you are, if you're a legitimate American citizen, can enjoy uh, the power of being an American citizen because we have a great economy, we have a strong nation, we uh, agree on most things, but we're never going to agree. Apparently, uh, abortion was a much bigger player than anyone thought. And how much bigger was it? Well, I think if we open our eyes and we have to be honest, we have to say abortion was more important than uh, bringing down gas prices. Abortion was more important than changing the tax rules. 
Abortion was more important than securing the border. Abortion was more important than having our own energy because that's what people voted for. They would rather kill their babies or be able to kill their babies than, than to live in a country where we have all the other stuff, right? And I didn't think that was going to be that much of a play. I said, how could it be? You still want an abortion? You can have an abortion. You can have an abortion and every state can make up its own mind. And if you live in a state where they, they want to allow people to do abortions, then you'll be able to get all the abortions you want. Every time you get pregnant, you can abort the baby. Every single, every single time, if you live in a state that voted for that, right? If it didn't, you go to a state. Nobody's taking away your chance to, to do, have an abortion. So I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but apparently it turned out to be that big of a deal. Um, and I get the whole argument, you know, I get the whole argument. Women want to make these decisions. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to tell them what they can and can't do. I've always just simply said, what about the baby? Why don't we ever give any thought to the baby, right? I don't want to tell women what to do. It's their bodies. But couldn't we make a, an honest argument to try and help them make the right decision to keep the baby? It's not a disease. It's not like getting cancer and you're going to die. It's a baby. It's a beautiful gift from God. It's another human life. It's your family, right? Those are the kind of arguments we should be making instead of uh, you know yelling and screaming about calling people names. And even me, I, I shouldn't be saying you know kill the baby. I, that, that's just an anger and frustration, and I, and I shouldn't say that. But that's the reality. You know, I didn't think it was going to be that much of a game changer, and it's it's telling. That's the reason there was no red wave. That's the only thing it can be, is because other than that, why would people vote? for the crap that we're living in right now, right? Why, why would they vote for this? Why wouldn't they throw all of those people out, all those radicals out and say, okay, let's get back to a normal America here where we, uh, we take care of our people first, uh, make sure our borders are secure, you know, all of that. Why didn't we do that? Why didn't that happen? Well, that's the only thing that could be. People would prefer to have uh, abortion than to have freedom and liberty and, and a good lifestyle, I suppose. I suppose, I guess. All right, so... That's 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 kind of where I was going with those two. Um, I saw something in the news that, you know, you think about things that people do, people do to each other. And in World War II, the Nazis were, they were demons on earth. They absolutely were demons on earth. Now, I think in the historical context of mankind, they were just the most recent set of demons on earth that went around and, and killed people indiscriminately and destroyed and uh, targeted people and, and, you know, horrifying things that we know what the Nazis did. The difference is we had, we had cameras this time around and we could actually see what they were doing. You know, in history, one people have destroyed another over and over and over again. That's the history of human interaction. I mean, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, the Native Americans were destroyed and displaced and this and that, and they were. They absolutely were. Uh, but the reality is that's what happens. The Native Americans that were here displaced other Native Americans, wiped out their, their groups, killed them, enslaved their people. That is what human beings do. It doesn't matter where you're from. So the Nazis were probably the ones that we all think of the most as, as this like these group of devils because the unbelievable horrific things that they did, not only just the war and the killing in the war, but to attack the Jewish population the way they did and do all those things, absolutely terrible. Um, but I just saw in the news that a 97-year-old woman in Germany was just tried and convicted 
because she was a secretary in one of the uh, concentration camps. And they were connecting her to over 10,500 deaths of uh, people in the concentration camp. And that's what she was convicted of at 97 years old. Now, you got to think most of those people from that era are getting up into that age. We're losing most of, uh, most of the World War II veterans we have, right? They're, they're all aging out now, aging out of life. Uh, and this woman is 97 years old. And she said she knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it. And the prosecutors and everybody said, well, first of all, um, when you sit at the window where her desk was, this is, this is how I guess they included this in the trial. When you sit at the desk where, her, uh, where, her, where, her, where she worked, where she did her work, she could see all the incoming people that were forced into the labor camp. And the, um, the ovens were going uh, day and night, uh, killing people. So they're saying there's no way she could not have known about it. And when you think about it, there's no way she could not have known about it. Um, it it's, and, and you know, you, you feel bad for a 97-year-old woman, but at the same time, she was part of that Nazi regime responsible for those deaths. She was one of those devils, and she's getting her due now. And I think that's perfectly okay. It's justice uh, coming to get her, right? She didn't get to get away with it. Uh, what could she have done as an individual? I don't know. I don't know. What could you do? What could you do when the whole entire uh, Nazi regime is there saying, do this, and you're going to stand up uh, as a secretary or a soldier and say, I'm not going to do it. They will kill you too. That's not an excuse for going along with it or for why they did things. I'm just simply saying it's amazing that every once in a while you hear about now people in their 90s getting caught up, uh, found out, and being tried. And I have to say, it's the right thing. It's justice. It's justice for all the victims of the Nazis uh, during that, that era of, of humanity. That these people, if they're still here and they were part of that, they have to be held to account for what they did. Now, they'll also be held account uh, someplace down the road when they go to speak to God. Uh, God will uh, have a lot to say to them about what they did. But as far as justice, I think it's justice that they, they had to, uh, that they were tried and convicted. And there's more of them out there. And I know that there's groups uh, in Germany that are still chasing them down, and they should. You know, this is a, this was a terrible, terrible, horrible thing. All right, so that's that's pretty uh, pretty interesting, though, to see. Like all of a sudden, you're back in history again. This is this woman went on trial for what was happening in World War II, and for most of us, World War II is pictures in a book or on a, a newsreel. We don't think of it as real, and here she is sitting right in front of you, uh, alive. Nazi, which is that's what she was, and uh, she's being held to account. So I found that interesting. Now we're going to turn my attention to some other justicey things. Um, the murders in Idaho. So a lot of people ask, "Hey, Lieutenant Joe, you teach about investigations. You teach about uh, police work. You teach about all these things. You write about it. What do you think about Idaho?" And I'll be honest with you, I'm not there in Idaho. I don't have access to the evidence that the police have. I don't have access to the leads that they're working on. I don't know what they're working on. It does seem from the outside that it's going very, very slow, that the case is turning cold. You know, most times with a, with a murder, you have uh, 48 hours uh, to really find out who did it and go get them. Now, most murders are done by people that know other people. I mean, it's somebody you know that kills you. Uh, stranger murder is... 
is much more rare, but they do happen. So in this case, we have four horrific murders of young people. And I wish I could tell you uh, what's going wrong with the investigation or what's going right with it. The fact that they're now looking for this car, right? this, this little white car that was on a video around that time uh, of night that they're anticipating that their murders took place. Now, that's another thing. You know, you got the medical examiner saying that their murders most likely took place between 3 and 4 o'clock. Now, I'm not a medical examiner. I'm not a doctor. But I know that those times can be off a little bit. What if the murders took place at 2.30? And then that car has nothing to do with anything. And they're putting it out here. The news is breathlessly reporting, the white car, the white car, the white car. Like, that's going to be the key to the whole thing. It might be. Don't get me wrong. That might be the key. Somebody might have videotaped the killer leaving. And they can eventually track down you know, uh, we would have a case where we would have a certain kind of car. Uh, you know, a 2001 uh, Dodge Dart or whatever it was. And we knew it was red. Well, you can sift through um, the registration records. And first of all, you limit everything down to Dodge Darts. And then you have some, an expert look at the picture and tell you, well, it's between a 2000 and a 2003. Now you limit out everything before that and everything after it. And your numbers start to come down. And then you look at the color. And you say, okay, it's, uh, it's a dark color. Maybe it's navy blue. Maybe it's black. Uh, and now you, you, you go through all the Dodge darts in that year, year time period. And you cut out everything that's not black or dark blue. And you start to get down to how many registrations are there. Now you have suspects to go look. Now you got to, okay, do you want the ones in California? Or do you want the ones in Idaho? Well, isn't it possible that it could be that car, the guy could be from California or Oklahoma or Canada. And he came in and did his thing and drove through and he got his picture. So there's lots and lots of cars that can fit that description. Obviously, you would start locally, which cars locally match the description of that vehicle. And I would go through the registrations there. Now, you're in a university town, right? So you have lots and lots of people from, from all over the country going to that school. Well, you also have a pool of people there, don't you? You can look at every one of those students and then go back and find out what states they're from and start looking through those states' records for a white uh, or a black uh, Dodge Dart 2001 to 2002. So there's things they can do. And my point being is that it's not always as easy as it seems, to solve these things, but it does seem to f f at least imply that it's um, the case is getting cold now. It's been it's been a while since uh, they did anything. Now the DNA, what's the big deal with DNA? You get DNA. They probably have a great DNA profile of the killer, but the problem is the the killer probably has never been arrested, and a DNA sample has never been taken from that person. Now, that's a distinct possibility. They can't match your DNA to a suspect if you've never been arrested and given DNA. What they can do is they can go through the familial um, type of DNA, right? They can go to those sites where we want to go on to find out, how Italian am I? How, how uh, Chinese am I? And you go and you get your DNA checked, and it gives you your family history. Well, what they can do is go in there and match the profile they have against these databases and maybe find a family line that matches uh, that kind of uh, DNA. And then you start to look at the families. Then you want to know which one of your family members was in, uh, you know, was in Idaho at this particular time. And that's how sometimes we get, a, uh, we get a suspect on that. And it's very interesting. We're seeing that with lots of these cold cases that they're going back and they're looking at DNA.
Uh, and they do that through the family thing and they find out who the person is. And next thing you know, uh, they have a suspect and they go after them. So I'm, I'm hoping for, the, for, the, for justice sake for those poor victims and for their families that they can bring this case to a close. Uh, we can find out somebody, go get them and bring them to justice. So I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to give a shout out to Ted, uh, my father-in-law, Ted. Uh, he's doing very well and he loves uh, to listen into all the programs on America Out Loud, but especially Chasing Justice. And remember, uh, healthy cell, right? If you want to get, uh, you want to feel better about yourself, healthy cell, immune boost. Uh, I take it every single day and I really like it. So I want to appreciate, I uh, want you to know I appreciate all of you being out there. Uh, I hope we gave you some things to think about as we go forward. Uh, hey, Republicans, you weaklings that are out there, toughen up. Would you please, would you please toughen up and fight for us? You know, we gave you the power now. Go and use the power. Do the right thing because... We're, we're waiting. We're waiting for you to do the right thing. We can't do it. You represent us. So my friends in Chasing Justice Land, have a great day. Love your family. Love your neighbors. Love your friends. Do a good thing. And hey, always love God. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice saying see you down the road.